We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is disagreement, debate, dissent, differing views on things like Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and others. How should real, true conservatives be responding to what's going on right now in the mainstream media as well as your social media platforms? How should we respond to the discussion I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. As I said in the introduction, today's topic is this issue of differing opinions, different perspectives, disagreement, debate, dissent. How should you as a conservative, a real conservative, a thoughtful, well-informed conservative, respond to other people when You disagree with them, and they disagree with you on important issues. For example, like Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, election fraud. All of these issues are very important issues, and nobody listening to this show right now should ever stick their head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend they don't exist. But how should we be engaging with those people that disagree with us, even on our side of the fence, quote-unquote. I'm going to share with you a couple of responses that I've received on Facebook recently with regard to a National Review article that I posted. Okay? And I'm also going to share with you an audio clip from Dennis Prager on this very issue. And then we're going to discuss, debate, discern, and have a robust conversation. Okay. Hopefully, without you all losing your ever-loving minds and canceling me because you think I should have said something else. If that's your reaction, then I'm going to argue that is not conservative. That's not conserving truth. That is doubling down on personalities. And that is not an adult, mature or logical way of thinking. Does that offend you? Well, <laughs> uh, I guess if it does, so be it. I'm not doing this on a daily basis to make everybody feel good. I'm not doing it to make myself feel good. Hopefully, you and I take on issues on a daily basis that challenge our thinking, challenge our behavior, challenge what we're going to do throughout the course of the rest of the day. Change us for the good. That's the point of reading, of thinking, of of digesting ideas that are better than your own. Frankly, that's the point of reading the Bible every day. Because if it makes you feel good about yourself, I would suggest you're either not really reading it or You're reading some paraphrase or somebody else's interpretation of the Scripture because the Scripture cuts to the heart. It cuts to the soul. It challenges you because it tells you 
you're not always right, neither am I. And being in a body of believers, in truth, with a capital T, is challenging. It's not comfortable. As I said in yesterday's show, as iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. This is a proverb from Solomon in the book of Proverbs in the Bible. One more time, as iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. There are multiple metaphors in Scripture. We are to run the race. We are to discipline our bodies. We are to recognize that the potter will mold the clay, push it, shove it, manipulate it, change it uncomfortably so. As I said in my book, not a daycare. Life isn't easy. We need to grow up and recognize that being safe in our own little boxes of ideas is not the conservation of God's time-tested truths. It's not respectful of the team, of the body. There is no I in team. Frankly, it doesn't matter what I believe or what I think. What matters is what's true, and it doesn't matter what you believe or what you think. What matters is what's true. And how do we get to truth? Well, we read the ideas that have been revealed by God, i.e. Scripture. We read other ideas that have been tested by time and measured against that measuring rod outside of those things being measured, i.e., the classics, the works of thoughtful scholars, words and works that have been tested over and over again, sifted through the gristmill of debate and dissent and disagreement, words and works that have been put to the test of time. This is the way we come to truth. You don't come to truth by shaming and shunning and canceling and mocking and maligning. Just because somebody challenges Donald Trump or anyone else for that matter. And again, if that offends you, makes you feel uncomfortable, good. I've told you a thousand times over, I'm not a never-Trumper, and I've never been a never-Trumper, and I've criticized those that are. My land, people that have told us to go vote for a Democrat rather than Donald Trump, are in crazy land, in my view. But I'll debate them, I'll discuss with them why they think that. And if they can convince me I'm wrong by some nugget of truth that I've missed, then so be it. I'm not afraid of that debate, and nor should you be. I'm not going to call Liz Cheney, for example, names. I disagree vehemently with her saying that she would vote for a Democrat rather than uh, Ms. Lake, for example, in Arizona. I disagree with that. I think that's wrong. I disagree with Mitch McConnell on some things. I disagree with the National Review on some things. I disagree with you and others on a number of things, and likewise you with me and some of these others that I'm mentioning. But I'm not afraid of them. I'm not going to malign them. I'm not going to commit fallacies against them, or at least I'm going to try not to. I'm going to attack their ideas. I'm not going to attack people. I'm not going to commit the same sin, if you will, that those I disagree with are committing. I understand the value of a good, robust debate. I understand the value of dissent, disagreement. I understand that that's the way you come to the ultimate truth in the end, is debating these ideas, discussing these ideas, challenging one another until you can 
measure each other against a standard outside of your political opinions and your feelings. The facts matter at the end of days, not your opinions or minds, or Donald Trump's, or Ron DeSantis's, or the National Review, or Liz Cheney's, or Mitch McConnell's, or Chuck Schumer's, or Nancy Pelosi's. We cannot commit the same sin, the same errors that our opponents commit. We have to rest on a higher standard than our emotions. That's today's topic. Let's take a break. When we get back, I'll start out with Dennis Prager, and then we're going to talk about pursuing truth rather than protecting our feelings, our emotions, our opinions. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group, proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I said I want you to hear a, a clip, an audio clip of Dennis Prager on Prager University. Now, before I play this, I want to remind you, I agree with Dennis Prager on a lot of things. I've been on his show multiple times, not boasting about that. I'm just honored that he invited me on to discuss things. Now, Dennis Prager and I disagree on some of the most important issues in the history of all humanity, and that's the definition of Jesus Christ. Dennis Prager is an Orthodox Jew. I'm a born-again believer in Christ. His view of Jesus is very different than mine. We disagree, but yet we can come together and discuss ideas and pursue the truth in a polite and friendly fashion. We can sharpen one another. As iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. And if you and I can go on the Dennis Prager show or listen to this clip and say, that's a very good point, then that is proof that disagreement does not disqualify a person from helping you understand and come to better conclusions. And if we can disagree on Jesus, then surely we can disagree on Donald Trump, can't we? And if your answer is no, then we've got a problem inside the camp, not just outside. I want you to listen to this clip from Dennis Prager. People who wish to shut down dissent are probably lying. 
The people who tell the truth are not for shutting down dissent. That is a very important first rule, perhaps. Another one is to use common sense. God gave us all common sense, but most people don't use it. As Mark Twain said in the 19th century, common sense isn't common, which is a real problem. Okay, so that's Dennis Prager. I think Dennis Prager is brilliant. Like I said, I disagree with him on some very important things. But what allows us to go on a show together, his show, for example, and have a good discussion is the belief that there is a standard outside of ourselves. Truth. That there is truth outside of the individual, outside of the human mind. That there's a revelation, a self-evident truth. Something that's given from above and not constructed from within that allows us to have a discussion, have a debate, have a disagreement, dissent with one another, to use his word, and then come to better conclusions. That's what allows us to do that in a civil fashion. But when we degrade the human experience, the conversation, the debate, the disagreements that we have, when we degrade that reality of community, of living together as people, when we degrade that to emotions, to hyperbole, to exaggerations, to accusations, to fallacies, to ad hominem attacks, to fallacies of shooting the messenger rather than attending to the message, when we degrade that beauty of living together as human beings to nothing but the emotional, political views of our time, then we lose something. We lose that ability to sharpen one another. Now, I want to repeat what Dennis Prager just said. People who want to shut down dissent are probably lying. He's being very clear and very bold in that, and I agree with him. One more time. People who want to shut down dissent are probably lying. One more time. You need to hear this. That's the point of this show. When someone is shutting down dissent through a fallacious attack, calling someone names, disqualifying them, canceling them, just because you don't like who they are or what they read, when you shut down dissent, you're probably lying. Pretty bold claim on Dennis Prager's part, isn't it? Now, I want you to rest on that. Think about that as I read to you this particular post in response to what I said on Facebook with regard to Donald Trump's announcement that he's going to run for the presidency of the United States. I want you to listen to this exchange. I posted something that the National Review said. I'm going to share with you my reaction to the National Review's statement, and then I'm going to read to you a response to my post. Okay, so the National Review, immediately after Donald Trump announced that he's running for the presidency of the United States again, put out a post and they said no. They don't think it's a good idea. They don't support it. They don't support Donald Trump. And they said why? You know, one of the key reasons is this. We have other very qualified candidates that will likely announce that they're going to run in this Republican primary against Donald Trump. People such as Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, um, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, and Ron DeSantis in the National Review put out an immediate response to Donald Trump's announcement saying that he's not the best candidate, and they explained why they feel that way. 
I posted that National Review piece, and I said this, I'm not a never-Trumper and never have been. I've even been exasperated at times with those who are, and I've made that clear over and over again on my social media, on my radio show podcast, in my writing for the Washington Times. I've been very clear that those such as David French, etc., who are never Trumpers, to the extreme and would actually aid and abet Hillary Clinton, for example, or Joe Biden, or AOC in gaining more power and taking freedom away from us. I'm very exasperated with those people, and I've said so. But that aside, I've just got to applaud the National Review on this particular piece, this particular post. It's been said over and over again, I've said over and over again, that we should thank him, i.e. Trump, when he's right, and criticize him when he's wrong. And on this one, his announcement that he's going to run again, I believe Trump is dead wrong. This election should not be about making Donald Trump great again. It should be about making America great again. Let's move forward, please. Constantly complaining about 2020 is a terrible strategy for winning in 2024. That's my post. And I'm saying, listen to this particular piece from the National Review. Now, I want you to hear what a man by the name of Ernest Worrell said in response to this. Now, I'm not trying to be rude or, or mean-spirited to Ernest here. He's got some legitimate points. He stands with you and me in the battle against, uh, for example, the translunacy, the drag queen nonsense, the grooming of children in this sexual nihilism of our day. He stands against that. And I'm grateful that he's there with me on the front lines and with you on the front lines of fighting that fight. But he says immediately, who cares what the neocons say? They've always hated the man. You should read better. That's all he says. That's all he says. Who cares what the neocons say? They've always hated the man. You should read better. Okay, so what is Ernest doing here? He's not responding at all. Zero. Zip. In fact, by virtue of his response, I don't even know if he listened to the National Review post that I put on my Facebook. I don't even know if he knows what they said. I could even suggest that he probably didn't, that he just saw it was from the National Review, and therefore it's not worthy of his time. Who cares, he says, what the neocons say? Well, first of all, he's suggesting that maybe he didn't even listen to their arguments. Second, he's calling them names, neocons. Is everybody at the National Review a neocon? Really? You really believe that? Every single writer or speaker or personality associated with the National Review is a neocon? I would argue differently. There are people at the National Review I disagree with. There are some never-Trumpers at the National Review, but not everyone is. The National Review has been a reliable piece to vet conservative thought since William F. Buckley Jr. established it. I spent time with William F. Buckley Jr. I actually had the privilege of picking him up at the airport one time when I was a graduate student at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio. I really appreciate the man. I think he was a hero of our time. He was a great thinker. But I don't agree with him on everything, and he wouldn't agree with me on a lot. William F. Buckley Jr. was not a conservative evangelical Christian, for example. We obviously would have theological differences, but I really respect his mind and the way he challenged our culture to consider the 
older ideas, the time-tested ideas, the conservative ideas, as a solution to the human dilemma, rather than embracing all of this new, arrogant, chronologically snobbish garbage that was being peddled in the universities at our time. So when Ernest responds and says, who cares what the neocons say? Are you calling William F. Buckley Jr. a neocon? Are you calling everybody who's ever written or spoken for the National Review a neocon? Or those that do so presently? I hope that you're not putting everybody in that box, but he, he apparently is. And then he suggests that I should read better. So he's not only insulting the National Review by calling them names. He's not only saying, who cares? I don't even want to listen to what they have to say. He's then saying that I should read better, that apparently he is reading better than me. So I responded to him. I responded to Ernest, and I said, that's not a very thoughtful response. That's all I said. It's not very thoughtful. He responds. He responds back, regurgitating what the anti-Trump crowd rags say does not look good on you. It's quite the opposite. Uh, Okay, so here's my response. I want you to hear it. Ernest, if reading and considering different views from those with similar goals does not look good on me, then to be quite candid, you're in the wrong, and you're in the wrong place, and you're listening to the wrong guy. Good education requires good discussion and good debate. Good education doesn't label differing perspectives, rags, without citation and without cause. Your ad hominem attacks of the National Review, or anyone else for that matter, are frankly not at all what my Facebook community is about. Pursuing truth requires better of us than this. Do you hear me on that? I want you to hear part of my response one more time. Good education requires good discussion and good debate. Good education doesn't label differing perspectives, rags, without citation and without cause. Your attacks, ad hominem attacks, of the National Review, or me or anyone else for that matter, are frankly not at all what I'm trying to do in my Facebook community. That's not what this is about. Pursuing truth requires better of us than this. Now, I want you to understand that pursuing truth should be the end goal of what conservatives are about, not protecting your agenda. Why, why is Ernest or anyone else threatened by the National Review to the point where you're just going to call it a rag? You're not going to read it. You're not going to disagree with it point by point. You're not going to cite what it is that you think they're wrong about. You're just going to say it's a rag, they're neocons, why in the world are you reading it? Why are you posting it? It doesn't look good on you. That's not a thoughtful response. That's not a well-read response. That's shutting down dissent. And what did Dennis Prager just warn us of? People who want to shut down dissent are probably lying. That's a good rule of thumb. Anytime you see somebody, even if they're in your political camp or your religious camp, your theological camp, Anytime you see somebody, even of your own, that wants, wants to shut down dissent, Prager's warning us, and I agree with him, they're probably lying. Maybe not intentionally, but maybe they've imbibed the Kool-Aid. Maybe they're perpetuating a lie because they won't allow a robust discussion, a differing of opinions, a citation of those ideas and those sources that you disagree with. If you don't like the National Review, fine. 
If you if you if if you found them to be frustrating during the last political season, great, fine. But does that mean you shut down the National Review and you won't even consider their ideas because you're angry with their perspective on Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Surely not. Is that where we are as a conservative group of people? I hope not, because if it is, we're going to lose. And here's my point. You can disagree with me till the cows come home. You can disagree with the National Review, likewise, on Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or anything else in between. But if you're going to shut down the debate, if you're going to cancel people that do have a similar goal, I mean, you can say that the National Review or Newt Gingrich or, you know, put whoever you want in the label. Me, you can say that we're neocons and disagree with us. But really, you're going to exclude us from the conversation. You're going to mock us. You're going to malign us. You're going to do what the left does. You're going to do what progressives do. You're going to commit these ultimate Socratic fallacies by just calling people names and silencing them. You're going to commit non sequiturs endlessly by making arguments that have no sequence. They have no bearing whatsoever on the argument of the National Review or of Ron DeSantis or of Everett Piper or of Dennis Prager. That's what you're going to do? Well, if that's what you're doing, if that's where you are in your thinking, in your logic, in your way of engaging in the public square, in the market square of ideas, then you're not truly conservative. I've argued in a show previously that this is cultic behavior. This is not conservative behavior. Cults shun and silence and mock and malign. Cults rally around their leader when he or she is attacked and defend to the end, any criticism against their dear leader. That's a cult. I'm sorry, people, but that's a cult. That's not conservative. That's a protection of personalities. That's not the pursuit of truth. Even when it comes to debate over Jesus Christ, good Christians, thoughtful, born-again, orthodox Christians, welcome the debate. That's what apologetics is all about. The apologia, the pursuit of truth, the argument, debate, discussion over Christianity, that yes, Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible is the Word of God, truth is given by God, and wisdom, the practice of holiness, obedience, is demanded by God. These principles of Christianity are the goals of apologetics. It's the goal of the church. And when you shut down that discussion, when you try to silence dissent on those issues because you're afraid of something, As Prager said, you better look in the mirror because you might be guilty of protecting a lie. Oh, I'm not suggesting that any of those obvious, historical, biblical, rational, logical, epistemological, ontological truths of Christianity are false in any way whatsoever. In fact, the debate, the dissent, the disagreement, the discussion over time has proven Jesus to be real, who he is. The primacy of Christ, Jesus is the Son of God. The priority of Scripture, the Bible is the Word of God. The pursuit of truth, truth is given by God. It's not made up by you or me. Frankly, I'm not going to engage in this nonsense of protecting opinions and making decisions on emotions. We're going to pursue the truth robustly. We're going to sharpen one another through disagreement and through dissent. And at the end of the debate, we will come to better conclusions rather than less because Christianity has proven itself true for 2,000 years and it will continue to do so for the next period of time until Christ himself returns to 
solve this mess that we find ourselves in right now. Oh, I don't apologize for drawing those conclusions, and I'll hold fast to them. But if you want to debate that, bring it on. I'm not going to mock you, malign you, or silence you. Because I have confidence in the truth, with a capital T, that it will judge the debate. Not you, not Donald Trump, not Ron DeSantis, not the National Review. But you, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump, and the National Review, and CNN, and Politico are welcome at the table because I'm not afraid of the conversation. I'm not going to be guilty of trying to silence dissent. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. I believe that there's a truth out there, that it's real, it's objective, and we can find it. And I'm going to pursue it without apology. And I welcome all comers at the table in the debate. Dissent is good. Disagreement is good. A discussion is good. We don't enter into these things with foreclosed minds. Conviction, yes, because we've wrestled with the ideas. We respect the fact that at the end of the day, it's not about your opinion or mine. It's not about your feelings. It's about finding the facts. Rather they be about Donald Trump or anything else. That's what conservatives do. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.